All right, playing some No Mercy, breaking down UFC 261, a very Peter Klein evening. Uh, just an absolutely bonkers night of fights that we just witnessed for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. What better way to celebrate than by playing some video games? Uh, haven't figured out, I'm Peter Klein. Um, and let's get right into it. As Jorge Masvidal talked a lot about the lack of power that Kamaru Usman has and then found out very quickly about the amount of power that Kamaru Usman has. A highlight reel finish on a night filled with highlight reels. Usman gets the job done in the second round. Rolling on this one without notes, so I don't have the, the specifics on it. But just absolutely mind-boggling to think of Kamaru Usman, this guy who's basically thought of as just a wrestler, now comes in with, with absolute firepower in his hands and the right hand from hell closes the show on Jorge Masvidal and I, I think a lot of tonight was based off of the element of surprise and that's kind of one thing that we we saw a lot on this show I mean surprise at how loud a crowd can actually be when you pack a bunch of people into a stadium. It's been a while since we've had that. But in this main event, the surprise comes from the power that's in Kamaru Usman's hands. I, I think I don't think Jorge Masvidal was bullshitting at all. I, I think he believed Kamaru Usman did not have the power to finish him, and thus that was not a concern. And holy hell was he wrong on that. The fight starts out and goes the way you thought it was going to go with Jorge Masvidal probably getting the better of the stand-up exchanges, but you could see as the fight was happening that Kamaru Usman was actually getting a, a little bit more of the, the striking exchange than some people thought. Sorry, it's after hours. As Stone Cold would say, swing a beer to the working man. My impression's awful. Um, shout out Boiling Ore for the, uh, the beer. Hashtag not a sponsor. But... The the key in this fight was, or I guess the, the most the most interesting part of this fight was how much of the stand-up Usman was having success in. And he, he gets the takedowns. He knew that was going to happen. He knew he probably wasn't going to be able to hold Masvidal down as much as he was able to in that first fight. But he knew that was going to be a bit of an issue, if nothing else. So the, the first part of the fight kind of goes the way you think it does. And then... Masvidal is getting a little bit cocky on the feet and Usman is there to take advantage and to make him pay for it. And it, it truly is one of the great finishes that you will see in the welterweight division. In, in terms of what's next, you could see on the pay-per-view that it is going to be Colby Covington who is next up. That's, it's whatever. I The Colby shtick is very, very long gone for me. I, I It is just shtick. I don't think you can keep that up when you get your jaw broken by the dude, but that's just kind of what he's gone with. So here we are. I, I don't, again, I, I said this coming into the Masvidal fight. I don't think, regardless of how long a training camp is or how long you've had to prepare since the last fight, I, I don't think that any amount of training camp is going to help out um, Colby Covington in any kind of a fight against Kamaru Usman. I don't know who I don't favor Usman over in the welterweight division at this point. It's, it is Kamaru Usman's world at 170 pounds and everyone else is just living in it. I mentioned these surprises. One fight that was not necessarily a surprise to me, although it was to the odds makers, is Rose Namajunas with a knockout 
that was just absolute picture perfect. That was one of the, the, again, I talk about kind of themes of the night. How perfect some of these strikes were was just mind-boggling. And you can see, I don't want to say the evolution of the sport, because people have been good at this thing for a while now, but you could see just how perfect some of these shots were at landing. And Rose, that, that front leg high kick set up absolutely perfectly. It goes through the guard of Zhang Weili and closes the show in absolutely epic fashion. Weili still doesn't think she should have been stopped, but that was absolutely no problem on that stoppage from referee Keith Peterson. Rose Namajunas, in my opinion, back where she should be. I I think she is the best fighter in that weight class and I I think showed tonight why she ends up being that. And some comments this week, I'm not really going to address those. I only really saw anything about that tonight. And so I haven't really formulated an opinion on all of that. But in terms of just the the pure fight, I'm speechless at how phenomenal Rose was. And I said coming in, distance control was going to be a major factor for Rose Namajunas. And I think you saw that in this fight. I think you saw Rose Namajunas able to, to stick and move pretty well. She was able to land that jab and then get out of the, the range of Zhang Weili pretty well. And obviously the, the champion, now former champion, was going to have some success on the feet. But when it was, when there was any kind of stand-up exchanges, it was Rose landing it was Rose moving, and it was Zhang Weili coming up a, a little bit short. I could see a rematch in this Weili getting a, a title defense in, in an epic fight. If she wants to come back with a, a tune-up fight before she takes on Thug Rose, I could see that as well. But Thug Rose, when she is on, her distance control is second to none. She just has a fantastic sense of that. And that's going to be a difficult thing to try to stop. I do think we are seeing one of the best women strikers of all time, and, and you see it all on full display there. So Rose Namajunas, back to where she is supposed to be. One of the other surprises of the night was the wrestling ability of Valentina Shevchenko. I said in my preview that I thought the way she wins this fight is keeping Andrade at the end of her jab, being able to really work the, the long striking game, those punches up the middle, the jab, followed by a right, and just be able to cardio kickbox her to death. That was not the case as Valentina Shevchenko gets inside, which is very much to steal the archer term right in the danger zone and had no problem with it. Clearly seven takedowns, the the most in that weight division's history. And that is just absolutely showing off from Valentina Shevchenko. We already know that she is an incredibly dangerous um, striker. Now to add this wrestling base, and you kind of saw it in the Jennifer Maya fight, but I, I don't think a lot of people really took that seriously and certainly didn't take that seriously against a fighter who won a championship by way of slam. You weren't going to say, oh, well, Valentina clearly has the advantage in the uh, in, in the wrestling department in this fight. So for her to go into an area that was clearly thought to be her weakness in this bout and come away with a victory was... Just absolutely next level stuff. And she is the second best women's fighter on the planet right now next to Amanda Nunes. And she is getting better. And there is, I I don't think, really any challengers at that weight class. If you wanted to do kind of a a champion versus champion, Valentina Shevchenko against Rose Namajunas, I could see that. I I wouldn't put up too much. I mean, look, it would be a fantastic fight. From a ranking standpoint, you would like to see Rose get a couple new 
championship wins under her belt. But for the most part, if you want to go Shevchenko against Rose Namajunas and really load something up, you're not going to get any argument from me. That, or those, sorry, the highlight of the main card. The lowlights came in the first two bouts as Chris Weidman, if this is how the career ends, it is just absolute devastation. As he throws a leg kick to Uriah Hall, Hall checks it and snaps the damn thing in half. The finish comes at 17 seconds of the first round. That's what I remember. And that is a, a finish that no one is going to forget as just absolutely gruesome. I said coming in that Uriah Hall has a bit of an issue with the violence that he can bring upon people. This is not going to change that. So hopefully Uriah Hall is able to move past this as he is someone who has just a world of potential, even in his mid-30s in this division. I was excited to see this fight. I, I For Wyman, it really sucks. I mean, A, his leg broke, which is, I can't imagine, a pleasant experience. And... This was kind of his last chance at a run. He finally snaps a losing streak. He is back in a weight class that he is comfortable with. He only takes one step back um, at 205, then comes back to 185. But he is someone who really needed this last run. I don't think at 37, 38, he's going to be able to put together the wins necessary to make another run at the middleweight championship. So this was it. And this ends in horrifying fashion, much like his kind of reign begins. A, with the, the surprise knockout of Anderson Silva, but then how he retains the title in his first defense is that leg break. Uh, I don't want to say irony because that makes it seem like he deserved it or something like that. And no one deserves to go through that. But just absolutely a wild coincidence that that is how this goes. And for Uriah Hall, it denies him an opportunity too. He has really been someone on the come up and someone who that potential that we've talked about for him for so long, even before the Ultimate Fighter, uh, as someone who could be one of the next big things at whatever weight class he decides to go into. And it just, it hasn't clicked. And now it is. And now this was supposed to be a real kind of showstopper, a, a real opportunity to move up in the, the weight class in a real way. And he ends up getting the win, just not in a way that's going to move him up in the rankings all that significantly. So very unfortunate for uh, Uriah Hall, extremely unfortunate for Chris Weidman. And we will see how things play out in the middleweight division. The That was not the only leg injury of the night as we see another one of those weird ones where a nerve gets hit and the leg just shuts down as Jimmy Crute falls to Anthony Smith, uh, both figuratively and literally, as his leg gives way at the end of the first round, still able to get a takedown out of the damn thing, but he loses to Anthony Smith. And again, for a fighter who has so much potential and... This doesn't stop that, I don't think. But he wanted to see how he was going to handle this step up in competition, and his body fails him. And that really, really sucks. You just hate to see that. And it's it's a legitimate technique that ends the fight, so you can't say, oh, it's a fluke, whatever. Like, you're in there in a fight. Weird things are going to happen. That just ends up being part of the game. But you really wanted to see how he was going to battle through a first round that was not going his way. And uh, a first round that he was going through some challenges in as Anthony Smith's jab really appears to be second to none at 205 pounds. That, that was a weapon for him. That was not just a filling space. That was a 
weapon as he was busting up Kruger on the face pretty good. And I was looking to see how the young man was able to adjust to that, how he was going to react to that form of um, that, that, that form of, uh, adversity in the fight. That's the word I'm looking for. That form of adversity, that form of a challenge and how he was going to respond to that. And to his credit, to be able to come back with a takedown on one leg and then do an effective job of holding Anthony Smith down for the rest of the round, that just shows an absolute next level of drive and determination and athleticism and a pretty good understanding of how wrestling works. So hopefully it is not the end for, well, I, I'm certainly not the end for um, Jimmy Crook. For Anthony Smith, it, it kind of denies him as well. This was a fighter who is looking to work his way up in the, the 205 pound rankings again after a trip to a championship bout with John Jones that does not go his way and he's kind of just been hanging out two wins two losses nothing overly spectacular he's been he was good on panel shows when given the opportunity someone who has a, a long career outside of fighting once everything is said and done I, I don't view him as a title challenger at 205 pounds. And if he would have actually come up with a win tonight, maybe that changes. And now, even though he has a much better ranking than I was expecting when that, that flashed up on the screen, I, I still don't view him as, okay, well, now you got to give him a number one contenders match. Now you have to give him someone who is in line and, and someone who is going to propel him to a championship fight. I kind of just view him as another dude for for young fighters to try to move up against. It's a weird spot because he's only 32, like they said on the broadcast, but that's kind of his lot in life right now. And this was maybe an opportunity to move past that and to show that he has grown since that John Jones loss and an opportunity for him to be taken a bit more seriously and not just be seen as a guy who has over 50 fights and is on the wrong side of the, the MMA career. And it just doesn't happen. So... It was a night of matchmaking that I was extremely intrigued by and a night of matchmaking that I really, really thought was well done because you had in Hall against Weidman, a couple of guys who, I mean, Weidman was at the mountaintop and there for a while, but since then has been incredibly disappointing. In Hall, you have someone who's never been able to reach that potential before. And this was a, a nice kind of cross point for those two guys. And they're robbed of that, and of so much more in, in certainly Weidman's case. And then here, you have Anthony Smith, who's looking to prove he still belongs in the, the upper echelon of this division, and you have Jimmy Crute, who is trying to prove for the first time he belongs in the upper echelon of the division, and he's robbed of that because his leg fails on him. So, uh, very unfortunate. On a night that could have been very, very, very big for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, it's still a, a phenomenal night, a, a really, really fun night, but... It just, it has this little cloud hanging over top of it because of how those fights end up playing out. Uh, as far as the undercard is concerned, if you want to, if you haven't watched this, these fights yet or want to go back and rewatch something, I don't think there's a real dud at any point in this. This was a very, very fun night. The crowd certainly made it. We can have discussions about whether a crowd should be that big. Uh, I'm going to suggest there's a lot of people in that crowd who already have antibodies and also some vaccines as well. So I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't have gone, but um, I, I'm not going to, to put restrictions in the place I live on a place that is several hundred miles away and a place that has different vaccine rolls out than we've had. So uh, 
I, I'm not going to get too worked up about crowds at this point anymore, especially those down in the States as they are much further ahead on things than we are. But that crowd certainly made a difference, and you could see it in the, the opening few fights, and I think that really did bring a lot of the energy into this fight card tonight. So overall, just a fantastic night, and, and a night that I think a lot of UFC fans and a lot of fighters are going to remember for a very long time, and I think we're going to see a lot of things brought up again when we do year-in-review shows, when all is said and done. Mm-hmm.